Area 10 Faith Community meets in the historic Bird Theater in Carytown in Richmond, Virginia. Due to CDC recommendations, we are live streaming our services until further notice. You can join us online at 11 o'clock a.m. on Sunday mornings on our YouTube channel by searching for A10 Sunday Morning, or you can watch this last week's message at area10church.com. For more information, you can visit area10church.com slash now to learn more about what is happening at Area 10 Church right now. We hope to see you back at the Bird Theater again soon. Hey, good morning, guys. Good to see everyone, or at least see a couple people in the room, and then imagine that you're out there. I hope you guys are doing really well. Um, a couple things, just want to let you know up front, we, we're going to do Q&A again, so if you have any questions that you come up with while I'm talking, just, just enter them into the YouTube chat, and we'll answer as many of them as we can towards the end of the service. We just wanted to come up with a way to uh, be a little more interactive during this, uh, during this time. Uh, I, w- I wanted to talk about, um, you, know those, you know how when there's people in your life that uh, when they get into something, it's all they can talk about, right? Like we've all experienced that. You have a brother or an uncle or a sister or something and like they got into a thing, whatever the thing is, and it's all they could talk about. Like they just wouldn't stop talking about that thing. Um, You you have people like that in your life, right? We call them CrossFitters. Uh, No, I'm just kidding. I know we have CrossFitters in our church uh, and you all can crush me. So please don't crush me. But, um, But there's a lot of things like that. I was actually asking some of our staff this week. I was like, what are the things that people get into that they talk a lot about? And, and we had all sorts of things, right? It's not just CrossFit. It's like atheists and, and food choice stuff, you know, vegans or, or Disney nerds or homeschoolers or, you know, Christians, I guess, could be in that category or essential oils people. I mean, there's just stuff that people get into it. And for some of that, it makes a ton of sense. Like, you get into something, you get woke about a particular topic, and it is important, and you do want to talk about it, and you do want to share what, what you've learned with people. And I was thinking about that for this series because we're talking about, uh, just for five weeks, we're talking about Jesus and, and, and his life and just kind of doing a quick hitter through his life to the cross leading up to Easter and the resurrection. And so we're talking about that. And I, and I thought, okay, what is the thing that Jesus talked about all the time? Like, what is, what is, is kind of his, his jam, his thing that he would just keep going on and on about this? And think about that right now. What would you think is the thing that Jesus talked about all the time. If you took a guess, you go, okay, maybe, maybe Jesus talked about love a lot. Maybe he was like a, a, a sandal-wearing hippie guy who was just like, oh, we just need to love each other, right? A lot of people think that about Jesus. Maybe he talked about marriage or, or like moral issues. Maybe that was his thing. Maybe he was uh, talking about his heavenly father and how much we need to know God and be in relationship with God. And so he talked about that a lot. Uh, maybe he talked about laws and rules like... You've heard of the golden rule. Maybe he also had like a silver and a copper rule, you know, just like, or bronze or something, uh, so that there are other rules for people. Maybe that's what he talked about all the time. Um, the truth is, Jesus talked about all of that stuff at some point. But if you, if you go back and read through the Gospels, there's this phrase, this thing that he keeps talking about over and over and over again, and that is uh, the kingdom of God. The book of Matthew will call it the kingdom of heaven, but it's the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. He talks about that idea over and over again, and I want to talk about a little bit about what that means. If, um, if you're going to understand the scripture and you're going to understand the terms that are used in there, you have to understand how it was used 
to the original audience or how it would have been understood by the original audience. So this idea of kingdom of God would have landed on the Jews who are hearing Jesus in the first century. It would have landed on them in a particular way. Um, I was going to un- explain all of that to you, but there's a really great video by the Bible Project, and they put together a video. They, they do really good stuff through the scriptures, and they put together this video about the kingdom of God. And so I just want you to watch that, watch the animation of this, and then we'll come back in when this is over. So check this out. There's this beautiful poem. It's in the book of Isaiah. The city of Jerusalem has just been destroyed by Babylon, a great kingdom in the north. And all of these Jewish people, they've been sent away into exile, but a few remained in the city. And they're left wondering, what just happened? Has our God abandoned us? Right, because Jerusalem was supposed to be the city where God would reign over the world to bring peace and blessing to everyone. Now Isaiah had been saying that Jerusalem's destruction was a mess of Israel's own making. They had turned away from their God, become corrupt, and so their city and their temple were destroyed. Yeah, everything seems lost. But the poem goes on. There's a watchman on the city walls. And far out on the hills, we see a messenger. And he's running towards the city. He's running and he's shouting, good news. And Isaiah says, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. Beautiful feet? Yes. The feet are beautiful because they're carrying a beautiful message. What's the message? That despite Jerusalem's destruction, Israel's God still reigns as king, and that God himself is going to one day return to this city, take up his throne, and bring peace. And the watchmen sing for joy because of the good news that their God still reigns. Now in the New Testament, we find this same phrase, the good news. It's the Greek word euangelion, and it's also sometimes translated with the word gospel. So when Christians say, do you believe the gospel, they mean, do you believe the news? But not just any news. In the Bible, this phrase is always about the announcement of the reign of a new king. And in the New Testament, the Gospels use this phrase to summarize all of Jesus' teachings. They say that he went about proclaiming the good news of God's kingdom. So Jesus saw himself as the messenger, bringing the news that God reigns. Yes, but the way that he described God's reign, it surprised everybody. I mean, think, powerful, successful kingdom. It needs to be strong, able to impose its will, able to defeat its enemies. But Jesus said the greatest person in God's kingdom was the weakest, the one who loves and who serves the poor. And he said that you live under God's reign when you respond to evil by loving your enemies and forgiving them and seeking peace. This is an upside-down kingdom. Now Jesus also said that this kingdom was arriving with him. Yeah, so for example, there's this really interesting story where there's a high-ranking Roman officer and he comes to Jesus begging him to heal his servant. And he even calls Jesus his Lord, acknowledging that Jesus is his authority. Jesus praises this man for recognizing what no one else yet had, that not only was Jesus announcing God's kingdom, he was the king. And so the word gets out that this Jewish man from Galilee is talking and acting like he's the king of Israel. He's appointing 12 disciples, which are an image of Israel's 12 tribes. He's healing people forgiving people their sins. And all of this so threatened Israel's leaders that they finally decide to have him killed. And Jesus let them. Yeah, which is a weird thing to do if you're trying to become king. That's right, but for Jesus, this is what had to happen. 
Jesus saw the sin and the devastation of his people Israel as just one small part of the entire human condition. How all humanity has rebelled against God, resulting in the tragedy and devastation of our whole world. So how is God going to bring his reign over such a world? Jesus believed it would be through an act of sacrificial love for his enemies. This is why in the Gospels, Jesus' crucifixion is depicted as his enthronement as the king of the Jews. Yeah, he receives a crown. He also receives a robe. He's exalted up, not onto a throne, but onto the cross. How beautiful are the feet that bring good news. And the good news now is that Jesus has defeated death and that he reigns as king, that he's dealt with our sin and corruption himself and that he's conquered it with his life and with his love. And then Jesus sends his followers to go out and keep announcing this good news of the upside down kingdom. And to invite everyone to give their allegiance to him, the king who defeated death with his love. So Jesus explains the good news of the kingdom and, and, and the people kind of started to understand what that meant. And, and really for the last couple of millennia, we've been kind of living in this kingdom thing and trying to figure out what does that mean. Um, I think it needs a little more explanation for us even after that video. Uh, for a lot of people, when they say the kingdom of God now, when we think of it now, we either mean the church, the kingdom of God is the church only, or we mean that the kingdom of God is something like social justice. We need the kingdom of God to come so that we can uh, you know, take care of the needy and the sick and the poor and the hungry and all. The kingdom of God stuff is, is that social justice stuff. Or some people think the kingdom of God, when they hear that phrase, they think, oh, it's just like, that's a place we're going to when we die one day. This is something like heaven. And the truth is the kingdom encompasses all of those things. It's just not any one of those things in particular. Um, I heard, uh, I read a good definition of it this week. It said, the kingdom of God um, is the king's power over the king's people in the king's place. Let, let me read it to you from John chapter one, or Mark chapter one. The gospel writers, when they wrote, uh, Mark starts out his, his message with, uh, he doesn't start with the birth of Jesus like Matthew and Luke do. He starts with Jesus just getting right into it. And the first thing that Jesus says when he teaches it is uh, he, he goes out and Mark records it in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. It says this, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time was fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. This is the way he describes it here at the beginning. He says the kingdom of God is at hand, and he calls us to repent and, and believe in it. And and and. And what he's getting at, this kingdom of God, as I said, the kingdom of God is the king's power over the king's people in the king's place. So what we're saying is, even in 2020, where we live in a type of kingdom, we don't call it that anymore, but our country or whatever country you're in, right, our, the country uh, is a kind of a kingdom. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a rule of, of a leader, of leadership over the people. Um, and, and our kingdom in America has its own set of rules and laws and leadership at different levels. And so we follow those civil authorities and we obey all of that. Uh, 
But on top of that, for followers of Jesus, we're living in this other kingdom. We have uh, another way of looking at power, another way of looking at the world, another way of looking at uh, what our true citizenship is. We belong to something else. Even in the midst of this political kingdom that we live in, we belong to uh, God's kingdom. The kingdom is at hand. It's not something that's here uh, just when we die. It's something that's going on now. So how do we live in that kingdom, and what do we do? Well, part of that, the answer to that is just um, how Jesus taught. Jesus teaches in the, in, in, throughout the Gospels, his teaching is how to live in the kingdom. When you read the, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, you're reading about what Jesus thought the kingdom was and, and, and how you live in it and how you should treat people and how you should handle all the issues that we come up with. So whenever we read the Gospels, we're reading like, okay, this is how go- kingdom life is supposed to work. Um, but I think if you go right there at the beginning in Mark chapter 1 when Jesus mentions the kingdom there, uh, I think you have to look at the two things he pointed at us to. He said the kingdom is at hand, and then he said two things, believe and repent. So number one, we are called to believe. Belief is the starting point for entrance into the kingdom. You can't live in the kingdom of God if you don't believe God exists. If, you, if you're not into that, if, you, if you, you're, you're not tracking with any of that, it's going to be very hard to be a, a kingdom person. Um, and, I, and I actually think this is a stumbling block for a lot of people, the belief part. A lot of people struggle in our time and our day and age to believe in God, to believe that he's there, that he's real. Um, and, and I think for a, a, a large part of us, the reason for that is that we live in this sort of post-enlightenment world, and we have things like science that are very helpful and very good, and we, we put a lot of emphasis on those things. We say, okay, science has disproved whatever, God or, or any of that. Um, and, and, that's, and that's where we get a little hung up. Because the, the Bible calls us to, and the scriptures point us to, this world where there are miracles, where supernatural things happen. Um, and supernatural things are not explained well by science, right? Um, and so we get a little hung up on that. We go, well, the only things that really exist are the scientific things, the things that I can touch and smell and see and measure and, 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 and test and all that. Um, and we end up elevating science to be the ultimate. And in doing so, we use it to justify disbelieving in certain things. Because science seems good. We'll just go with that. Science seems so certain, except in a time of pandemic, and then the science gets a little complicated, and maybe we just can't understand it. We don't know what to do. But science is people's go-to in our culture. Um, and, and a lot of people say, well, I can't believe in God because of science, which is weird because I know a lot of scientists, even in our church, who believe in God. So I don't think those things are mutually exclusive. The, the real truth, I think, in all of this is that belief is hard for people, um, and it's hard to believe in God not because of science, not because of some empirical evidence thing. The reason it's hard to believe in God um, is because it's an emotional thing. And believing in God is going to require you to change your life and to, and to think differently about the world and to do some different things. And that's really the hard part, the change that comes with believing in God. That's where people struggle. Writer J.K. Galbraith said, faced with a choice between changing one's mind and proving there's no need to do so, almost everyone gets busy with the proof. Right, I think that's true for a lot of us. Um, to 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 believe in God is hard, and we would rather just get busy with proof that we don't need to do that because it's going to require us to change. Um, so I think that's a, one barrier to belief is that the change required. I think another barrier to belief 
and to believe in God, it's that we're disappointed and we're hurt. We carry around in our bodies, we carry pain and we carry hurt. And, and, and if you believe in God, it makes that sting a little more. Because if you're hurt and you're disappointed and you feel pain and there's no God, then fine. You just feel pain, it's bad or whatever. But if you, if you hurt and you feel pain and God exists, then you have to believe that God exists and he's cool with your pain. Like he allows it. He's allowing your suffering. And that's a really hard spot for people to, to sit with. Um, and so if, if, if belief is a struggle for us, um, I, I get it. Let, but let's at least be honest about it. Let's be honest that a lot of our struggle to believe in God is not an intellectual one. It's an emotional one. It's a, it's a hurt, a disappointment, an anger kind of thing. Um, and that's, that's fair. I understand why, why we go there. But let's be honest about it. I think you know, people are there now. I, I think there's a lot of confusion right now in, in the world, not just in America. And people are, are dying, and, and in some places, hospitals are getting overwhelmed. And it's very hard to believe in a good God who exists and watches over the earth. Um, that's, that's a hard thing to wrap your head around right now when, when there's bad stuff going on. And if you think God can't exist because there's a pandemic, um, I get that. Just notice that that is an emotional response, um, and it's understandable. It's, that's, a, that's, that's a heart issue, not necessarily just a, a mind issue. And so Jesus challenges us that kingdom-hearted people, um, that's going to start by how we believe, that belief is important to enter the kingdom of God. The second thing he points us to is we are called to repent, uh, repentance is the other thing he says. The kingdom of God is near. Believe and, and repent. Um, entering that kingdom life requires repentance. Now, the word repentance in the New Testament is a Greek word, metanoia, which means to, like a change of mind or, or this turning. It's this idea, sort of this doing a 180. You were going this way, and then you, you change your mind, and you're going the complete opposite direction. Uh, I've been living one way, and I need to now walk a new path. Um, and that's something Jesus taught, and it's something preachers have been talking about for thousands of years, right? It sounds, sounds so old school, you know, repent. It's like turn or burn, repent or die, you know. And I understand why preachers bang on about that stuff, and they, they make a big deal out of it. But, we, but it is serious business. We, we, we need to look at our lives and go, man, there's some stuff that I'm doing that I need to change. There's some stuff that I'm doing that isn't aligned with God's will for my life. Uh, there's some stuff I'm doing that hurts myself or other people. Uh, and I need to repent to, to really understand this kingdom of God idea, to, be, to enter into it, to, to take advantage of all that the kingdom of God is. I'm going to have to turn away uh, from these, these things. Uh, I need to repent from my, my sins. Uh, my sins are causing a barrier between me and other people. They're causing barriers between me and God. And, uh, and, and we need to turn away from that. Now, that's really uncomfortable to think about. I think for a lot of us, um, we, don't, we don't like the idea that we're sinful. We don't like the idea that we've messed up, that, that some of the problems in the world are our fault. Like, we, we're really uncomfortable with that. But I, but I think to enter the kingdom of God, we're going to need to address that and, and look at that stuff. We have to acknowledge our, our, our shortcomings and acknowledge our sins. Um, and I think that's actually just a step of maturity in general, to... to all of us kind of need to, to, to pick up the rock 
uh, and look at all the ugly things that are underneath the rock that are kind of going around on there. Like, look at that stuff in our own lives. If you're unwilling to do that, if you're unwilling to look at your stuff and say, this is a sin, this is a problem, uh, you're not going to mature just in life in general. Um, if you're not the kind of person that can be challenged or that can, that can acknowledge fault or acknowledge where you've messed up or acknowledge your sins, you're going to have a hard time just growing up generally. So uh, a step of maturity and a step of faith and a step into the kingdom of God is to look at the stuff and take responsibility for it. Not, not play victim and say, oh, all the things that I'm doing wrong, all of them are someone else's fault, but to say, no, I'm going to own this, and it, I, I've messed up, um, and, and yeah, maybe some bad things happen to me, but I've made some bad choices. I'm going to own that, and I'm going to uh, repent. Maybe to put it another way, um, the kingdom of God requires God to be on the throne, and repentance is when we say, hey, I've been on the throne for too long and I'm going to kick me off of the throne and I'm going to let God be God and let him rule over my life. So how do we do that? Well, as we read through the Gospels and really what we teach here at church every week, uh, we're looking at how we live out this kingdom life in different aspects of our lives. So when we read through the Gospels, we're seeing what kingdom living looks like. When Jesus says, turn the other cheek, that means for us, kingdom people, we have to look a different way when we're insulted. We have to say, I'm not going to re return insult for insult. Um, when, when, we, when we look at uh, how, to love, how Jesus loved the poor, that should be, hey, kingdom people, this is how you love and serve the poor. When we look at how Jesus taught on handling money, that means, hey, kingdom people, this is how you handle money. When you look at healing the sick in the Gospels, this means, hey, kingdom people, this is how we heal the sick and this is how we, we help people. And I think this is even more crucial for us to remember during such a time of uncertainty. The, the kingdoms of this world are in a rough spot right now. We, we build our, our culture, we build this world around um, money and around security and comfort and career, um, the economy. Uh, we build it around our health. And a lot of those things are being challenged right now. And so we have an opportunity to go, are we going to continue to build the kingdom this way, or are the people of God going to build a different kind of kingdom? Are we going to, uh, we, are, we are called as kingdom people to show love to the world and to, to love people and love our neighbor and serve them, um, but, not, but, but we're also called to remember that our hope is, is not in a vaccine. Our hope is not in uh, Wall Street. It's not in even things working out every way that we want them to work out. Um, and this is important for us to remember, especially in a hard time. And I actually think this is important for us to remember all the time. One of the things I've really been struck by during these last couple weeks is everybody's got this thing going on. We're all kind of in this together, all thinking about. It's the constant news feed, um, constant um, input about a virus. Um, and I've thought about friends that I know that have lost someone here, even in the last couple of weeks, not because of a virus, but just because of life and, and, you know, and, and the anxiety and depression, all the things that go on sort of normally without a virus are still going on. And people are, you know, breaking up or falling in love or all the different kind of things that are happening in the world, all that stuff continues on. Um, 
and we need to be compassionate and 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 ready to handle that as as kingdom people people are dealing with hard stuff and we need to remind people uh, and remind each other of the hope that we have so that we uh, don't give in to despair Um, we need to be the people of hope so where can you do that this week? Um, where do you have the opportunity to encourage someone? This might be a really good week to write a card to someone. Um, maybe, maybe week one of, of shelter at home or quarantine or whatever they're calling it. Maybe week one or two of that's been like, okay, I'm home for a bit. I can, I can do some things around the house or whatever. But in the, in the weeks to come as this goes on, um, there may be a lot of opportunity to step up and go like, hey, let me encourage someone in ways that I normally wouldn't. Let me, let me write an old-fashioned letter on paper and send it. Uh, let, let, let me check in with people in ways that I haven't been. Maybe this is a great opportunity to do that and to remind people of the hope that we have in Christ. So two questions I'll, I'll leave you with. And then the band's going to come. We're going to uh, worship together and then send in questions as you have them and we'll address them at the end. But here's two questions I want you to think about this week. Number one, what are the areas that you need to either believe more or repent? The, the, the kingdom of God is believe and repent and that's, that's, how we, that's how we start. Where are those areas for you that you go, man, I, I believe, but God help my unbelief. I still struggle in these areas. Uh, where do we need to believe more or repent? Um, that's number one. And then number two, where are you seeing God's kingdom at work around you? What are the new possibilities that are popping up because of the constraints that we're under right now? Where are you seeing God's kingdom at work? Um, my guess is if we look, we're going to see some, some, some really good things in the midst of the hard stuff. Um, so that's, I want to leave you with those. I'm going to pray. Van's going to lead us in some worship songs, and then we'll just do a few questions at the end. Let's pray. God, thank you for the people of God who are living in your kingdom, who are um, striving to love their neighbors well, to serve, to, um, to, to make the most of this time, to stay connected to you and to each other. Um, God, help us to be people who reach out so that our, our, um, our friends and neighbors uh, feel the love of the kingdom of God. They feel the body at work, the, the, the church body at work. Um, God, for everyone who's struggling right now, who... Um, being alone or being at home uh, during this time feels so heavy. Um, I, I pray that uh, I, I pray that there's some lightness for them this week. That that um, that different people will reach out, and that uh, we will we will continue to check in on each other and be use this opportunity to be the body of Christ as we should be in the community. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. We pray. Amen. All right. Um, thanks for joining us. We wanted to just finish out with a, a couple questions that you asked online. We're going to address those. Rachel's up here with me, uh, and she's going to jump in on, on some of these. And then we'll, uh, we'll just give you a couple announcement things here at the end, and then we'll wrap up. So, Rachel, you can go first with questions. Yeah, so one of the questions we got um, through our YouTube live stream chat feature was, how do we let God be God? How do we practically allow him to be the king of our lives. Um, So I think of a couple different things, primarily like through worship, through these moments where we all come together and dedicate our hearts and our minds and what we're thinking about back to God kind of gives him supremacy. Also, when we just think back um, to times in our lives that God has been faithful, moments where he really came through for us, we may not have recognized it in the moment, but I think in retrospection, like we can 
can see like God was really active in this. Like I didn't understand it at that time, but God really pulled through for me in this way. I can think of dozens of examples of that happening in my life. And that just really reminds me that God is in control and that he is the king of my life. And if I just trust in him, then I can, I can believe that, you know, this is all going to come together for the good. Um, also, I just think, um, intentional prayer, uh, just asking God, how do I, what do you want me to do? And if there's, if you listen and, and, and practice this, you'll start to get a sense of what God's voice sounds like. It may not be an audible voice, but you'll have an idea that pops into your head and, and your gut reaction might be, no, that's not at all what I want to do. Like self-preservation kicks in and kind of pushes back against that. I think that's actually a really clear example of God saying like, no, this is, this is what I want you to do. It may not be what you chose for yourself, but it is something that I am the king of your life and you need to trust me in this. So those are a couple of examples that I think of. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, and then the second question that was asked, uh, and there's a lot of ways to answer this, so I'm just going to cover uh, some different ways of looking at it, I guess. Uh, how does the intersection of faith and science deal with healing and the impossible that only God can do? Uh, that, that, that's a good question. I, I think the whole, and I touched on it a little bit in the message, but I think the whole faith and science thing um, is, is really interesting. And, and one of the things you have to think about is, um, can God do miraculous things? Well, a lot of people struggle with that because miraculous things, by definition, are supernatural. They are outside of the ordinary natural world. And so if you think that all that exists in the world is the natural world and the things that we can empirically test and study and all that kind of stuff, then, then miracles are going to be a hard thing for you. Because if you just look at the natural world, you go like, uh, waters don't part when someone puts a staff in the water and waters part. Like, that doesn't happen. Uh, virgins don't give birth. Uh, like, we have all of these things that are the natural order of the world. Um, and science really is just a study of how all that stuff works. And so you, you can study it, you can look at it, and that's good. God created, and then we have come on come along later and go, okay, well, how does it work? Like, how do these pieces all fit together? That That isn't challenging to faith, I don't think. It just says we're trying to understand how the building blocks are put together. How does the DNA function? How do all these things work? Um, I, I, I always stop short of saying, like, you know, people go, okay, well, the natural world functions this way, and it always has to function that way. And I go, it doesn't always have to function that way. I am open to the idea that miraculous things can happen. I'm not saying they do all the time. I'm not saying they do every day. Maybe maybe they do. Uh, but in, in my... But, but the way I see it is that I want to I maintain an openness that God can intervene and tweak his creation as he sees fit. Um, so, you know, healing uh, hospitals, the work that, that they do there, um, I think that's, a, that's an interesting example when you think about work that's being in, done in hospitals right now to help people. Um, there will be stories, and there are always these stories of people who recover, who pray, like people who pray and they recover. Um, and, and how that something about prayer and what that does to them mentally and emotionally and whatever like that help that helps their recovery uh, there will be stories like that um, and so I think that's 
interesting and something to think about. But I think you got to do the best with the science that we have. You got to do best with the medicine that we have. God has given these things to us. We're, we're learning how the human body works. We're going to do the best with it that we can. And so we pray, we ask the doctors to do their best, and, and then we, and we ask God to intervene. I'm, I'm amazed at how many doctors who spend so much time in medical school and who study for so many years and have spent so much brain power around the human body. I'm amazed at how much they, they would say, yeah, we just don't know. We don't know how that works. We don't know what this is, you know, it's just so uh, complex, and I think that speaks to uh, God's creation and, and what He's what He's sort of packed in there. And so, um, I think we pray in faith. We ask God to do the impossible in some cases, and then and then see if He if He does. And if He doesn't, there's probably a lesson that we can learn in there too. That maybe this wasn't the right time, or God, this wasn't what God wanted at this time. Um, we are uh, back here again next Sunday. We're going to talk about the crucifixion and what it means to have our life shaped by that event. It's a it's a big deal, um, and we're we're going to be doing that. And then the following week, we have plans for Good Friday and for Easter. That's coming together. We will have some extra stuff for you. Uh, a lot of people are, uh, a lot of churches and people are praying, oh, you know, we want to be able to gather together by Easter. Uh, the church has withstood far more than not being able to get together for a few weeks uh, in, in the course of history. Uh, God has shown up and is faithful in all kinds of expressions of the church, all through different times and cultures. Uh, we, w- we will be fine no, no matter what, uh, as far as the church goes. Uh, we are planning to be live stream and not gathering, at least probably for April, probably May, and then you know, your guess is as good as mine about what happens after that. We, we don't know. We just have to see how this all plays out. But thanks for joining us. Keep meeting together. Um, small groups do all the Zoom meetings. We're doing some other f- fun stuff with that that we're trying to get p- more people connected. I will say for Easter, maybe invite someone two Sundays from today to watch the live stream as well. That might be an easier ask than getting someone to show up at the Bird Theater with, with you. But I'm really gearing Easter Sunday towards people who are more skeptical about faith. And so... It would be a great time to talk about doubts that people have and maybe invite your friends to watch who are doubters and they can ask questions and we can even take that and make, I was thinking about doing a six-week class on doubt after Easter for people who want to really wrestle with some stuff. I think we've got some good opportunities there. So invite people. If you're not as much of a skeptic, I still think Easter is going to be a great celebration and it'll be good for your your knowledge as well and and for you to kind of absorb some of that stuff. So thanks for being with us. Uh, I'm going to pray us out of here and I hope you enjoy this warm day. Uh, Let's pray together. God, thank you for another day, and I pray we um, honor you and serve you. We live as people of hope. Um, we, we recognize that uh, you can do the impossible stuff, and so we, we hand all this stuff that's bigger than us, the economy and the, 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 the virus and all these things that people are concerned about um, in life right now. I pray we, we just hand all that over to you and say uh, you're bigger than that, and you can, um, you can do uh, miraculous work. So we, we pray in faith that you're going to do uh, something great. And uh, I thank you um, for your kingdom and a chance to live and be a part of it. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Go in peace, everybody.